The content presented in this podcast is solely for educational purposes and should not be used as medical advice to diagnose, manage, or treat any health conditions. If you or someone you know has a condition or disease discussed in this podcast, we would encourage you to create and implement a care plan specific to your needs under the supervision of an appropriately licensed healthcare professional. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of experts in the field of fetal medicine and should not be interpreted as the standard of care. Hey, Woommates. Welcome to the latest episode of The News Womb. I'm Erin Moise. And I'm Ken Moise. And tonight, I would like Dr. Moise to teach us a little bit about rhesus immunoglobulin. Um, And so I have some questions that I'm going to have him answer to just kind of give us a little bit of broad strokes education on it. Um, So, Dr. Moise, first I want to ask... Because in PA school, at least, I was taught, and everyone always says, Rogam, did you get your Rogam? Are you going to give them Rogam? So is this rhesus immunoglobulin the same as Rogam? So Rogam is kind of like Kleenex, right? It was the first brand name, interestingly, both were made by Band-Aids. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> it's, it's actually the first product that was out there, put out by Ortho. Uh, and now there are four different products on the market. So the generic name is rhesus immunoglobulin. Rogam was the original product. It still exists, still made by a different company now. But there's some other drugs out there that are also rhesus immunoglobulin. Interestingly, two of them have to be given as a, an injection, and two of them are more pure than the original Rogam, and they can be given as um, IV, so you don't have to give an injection. So, But Rogam is what everybody kind of talks about because it's easy to say, it's catchy. But truly, we should probably call this product rhesus immune globulin. And so when was rhesus immune globulin, that's a hard one to say, when was rhesus immune globulin first discovered? So uh, Frida and Gorman did the original studies back in the early 1960s at the Sing Sing Prison in upstate New York. The Sing Sing Prison again. We talked about that before. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did talk about that before, right? Sounds familiar. It is, but... Thank goodness for the prisoners because they helped us develop this product for pregnant women. I was once asked what three important things happened in women's health, and I, I really do think rhesus immune globulin was one of the big breakthroughs because it has prevented so much disease. But So it started Sing Sing Prison in the early 60s. In 1968, uh, it was approved for use in this country. Uh, we didn't have an FDA then. It was approved by the National Institutes of Health. And two years later, the American College of OBGYN said we should start giving it after every delivery in RH-negative women. So it's been around for a while. Okay, so we've talked about how it's discovered, the different names for it. Um, How is it made? So it's made from human plasma. Um, It's actually a blood product. Uh, Patients with Jehovah's Witness, uh, you know, faith sometimes won't take it because of that. It's from human plasma. It used to be made from patients who were already sensitized they would donate their plasma, and they would refine it into this injection. But we don't have any patients anymore because it works so well. So we now have to get it made in other human beings. There's no other way to make it. And so we get um, RH-negative boys or men in college to donate plasma. And so they, so they uh, can pay for textbooks. 
Well, they get paid well. <laughs> well, I think they pay for dates more than textbooks. That's I used to get plasma when I was in college too, but not for, for dates Rogue, or textbooks. But not for Rogue, not for dates, not for Rogan. <laughs> so they take Rh negative men. They say, "Hey, you want to make some extra money?" And they inject them with Rh positive cells, kind of like they were pregnant, right? And they make antibodies. They make high levels of anti D, and then they uh, give their plasma. And uh, they use that to make uh, Rogam or rhesus immune globulin. Um, what's interesting is that when their titers fall, because they need their titers very high to make a good product, they actually re-inject them with cells. And I understand they get kind of feverish when they oh, wow. get those cells. But right now it's made from university men, all these plasma centers in the university, uh, you know, major universities, and mostly in the U.S. Um, the U.S. is the OPEC of plasma products around the world. Because uh, we supposedly don't have mad cow disease here, so we have safe plasma. So these are paid donors, men who make rhesus immune globulin. That's where it comes from. And I'm I'm guessing because men never carry a pregnancy, there's no future health implications for these sensitized men. It's solely for the purpose of making this plasma. But the, is there any issues with their or health concerns for them later in life after being sensitized? No, it's, it would be like being vaccinated to measles or something. You develop gotcha. antibodies to that. You know, before they would ever get blood, their blood would be cross-matched. So they would give them Rh negative blood that would be compatible, even though they had antibodies. I once did an editorial on this, and I think the only thing you'd be worried about is if you went to say Asia, and you were backpacking across Asia, and you got into a car accident, and you needed blood, everybody in Asia is RH positive. Only 1% of Asians are RH negative. So <laughs> it could be a problem if you backpack across Asia, but that's about And the get only. into major trauma accidents. And, and get into a car accident, <laughs> okay, too. So fair. be careful. If you're a Rogam donor, don't go to Asia anytime soon. <laughs> and get in a car accident And get in a kind. car accident. Or get shot or whatever. You know, any yeah. major injuries that require yeah. blood products. Okay. Well, as a provider, and particularly a provider providing prenatal care, which of my patients should I be giving Rogam to? Or rhesus See, immune said globulin? Too. I yes, know, it, it's have it. So it's easy, habit. It's so easy to say that it versus is, rhesus true. immune globulin. That's why people say Rogam. Um, so it's only good for Rh negative patients to prevent antibody formation. So it won't prevent the formation of antibodies to. Kel, little C, uh, E, any of those other okay, alphabet soup. What are well, what are you talking about? Well, those are other red cell antigens. We'll have okay. a separate talk yes. about antigens one day, but just know it only works in an Rh negative patient to prevent anti D. Okay, we don't have an equivalent type of hyperimmune globulin for other to prevent other types of sensitization. Just anti D, and it's pretty effective. Before we had it, fifteen um, percent of women were sensitized at delivery. 15%. Can you imagine that? Wow. So it was a terrible disease to have after you had a couple of babies. And again, it's the first baby. We'll talk about this later too. It's the first baby gets affected, or I'm sorry, gets the sensitizing to occur, and it's the next baby that gets in trouble. But um, so so basically it's fi- it was 15%. It went down to 1%. He stole my question. I was supposed to ask how effective Did it was, and he stole my question. Keep going. So keep Proceed, Dr. Moise. How effective is rhesus immune globulin? Thank you 15%. For that. Wow. Thank, thank you for that question. That's an excellent question. <laughs> so we went down to, from 15% to 1%. And then there were some studies out of Canada that said, what if you give it at 28 weeks again, you know, before, while you're pregnant? And so we now give it at 28 weeks. That recommendation came out in 1981 from the American College of OBGYN. Oh my gosh, she's stealing all my questions. That was my next question is when is this speaking? Well, we dropped it. We dropped it down to like one-tenth of one percent so it's almost it's almost when you started giving it at 28 weeks and again after delivery okay 
So, so those slide. are the two main times. As as a provider or an RH negative patient, when should I be getting right. rhesus immune so globulin? So standard, 28 weeks. Um, check a titer right before you do it. Make sure everything's okay. Okay. And then right after delivery. Those are the two classic times we give it. Okay. Classic times. What Are, are there other times that they should be getting it? What are these other times? So... Think about any time some foreign red cells could get into an Rh-negative woman's bloodstream. Let's say um, she has a miscarriage, or maybe she has a therapeutic abortion, or an amniocentesis, or uh, she's in a car accident. Um, so uh, maybe or she's CV, had blunt chorionic trauma. Chorionic villus sampling, Chor- CVS. Another, another technique that interrupts the interface between the mother and the baby, and cells could cross over. So any of those times... Baby blood mixing with mommy blood. That's right. You would give a shot of rhesus immune globulin. Okay. Question, question uh, that I'm just thinking of is, as we're talking about this, and if I'm a patient, how do I know my RH status? I mean, I think most people do, but I think it's a fair question of how do I know if I'm RH negative or RH positive? Uh, well, you'd be surprised the majority of men don't know. Well, unless sure. Unless they're in the army right. or they gave blood at a blood drive. They have a card. Um, women should know, and most of them do, because they get a blood type and an antibody screen at the start of every pregnancy. So most RH right. negative women know they're RH negative and can advocate for themselves uh, to get this. But uh, one one other thing I want to bring up because this is very recent. Um, there are a lot of you know news going on right now about abortions and Roe v. Wade and all that. The National Family Planning Societies have decided, to be honest, much to my dismay, and this is in conflict with ACOG, the American College of OBGYN, that if you're having an abortion before 10 weeks, you don't need rhesus immune globulin if you're RH negative. Now, I, I'm not, I'll be personally tell you, I'm not happy with that recommendation. They, obviously, it's saving money to do that. Obviously, the chance of getting sensitized is pretty low because if you have a baby, it's only six or eight weeks size, doesn't have many red cells in the system. But we don't know. And so the studies that they quote to make that recommendation are based on looking for fetal cells in the blood of women who've had abortions. But it's really not a good study. We really need to, to check them out, you know, six months later to see if they develop a titer. So right now, the a lot of Planned Parenthood will not offer rhesus immune globulin to arch-negative women who have abortions before 10 weeks. ACOG says otherwise. They say you should get a Rogam shot. So uh, hopefully over time, uh, we'll develop some more data to make the best recommendation for that. Um, but that isn't always the case. Can you talk a little bit about dosing and delivery? So I think that's something that I struggle with. Um, I mean, jumping straight into fetal medicine, I, I didn't have a ton of exposure to OBGYN or prenatal care. And so I, have, I mean, I have no idea how to dose rhesus immune globulin to patients well, so the standard dose, yeah, the standard shot is 300 micrograms. That's the pretty standard shot. And and there is a small shot, a baby shot, if you would, of 50 micrograms that you can use before 12 weeks. But no, most people don't carry that in hospitals. So we just give the standard shot of 300 micrograms. And that'll cover a 30 cc fetal bleed. So that that's a pretty good size bleed. And, but about a couple of percent of pregnancies, maybe one or two percent, there's more than 30 cc's that gets into the mom's bloodstream mm-hmm. at delivery. So I was going to say, I don't think that there's only 30 cc's of delivery from the C-sections I've scrubbed. So well, no, into into, but it has to get you know kind of like through the placenta into mom's system. mixing more yeah. than 30 exactly. cc's. Okay. So there's a standard of care that hospitals do a special test. Um, it's called a, some people call it a Rogam workup, and they look to see first if mom's sensitized. 
So if she's sensitized already, Rogam doesn't work. We don't need to give it because it's already too late. Then they check the baby's blood type. That's why they always get some blood at the time of delivery from uh, the, the umbilical cord. Check the baby's blood type. And if the baby's RH positive, then they say give one unit of Rogam. And then they say, but we need to do another test. And they look to see with some quantitative methods if more than 30 cc's of blood are in mom's system. If there is, there's a special stain called a Clyharbecki stain they could do on mom's blood. And they can count the number of mom cells and baby cells and say, well, well, more than 30, maybe it's 50 or 60. Give two vials. You need two. And maybe give one more to grow on to give some extra. Like a birthday candle. Yeah. So, so they'll, the blood bank will tell you if you need to give more than one. Usually it's one. But it is one of the reasons why rhesus immune globulin fails on rare occasions because people don't get enough of it. So, But the standard at every hospital is that they should be doing this testing in women who deliver RH-positive babies who are not sensitized to anti-D. Uh, that's the case. And how do you know if they're sensitized to anti-D or not? How would you know? Well, again, some of the blood work that's going to be drawn at delivery is to see if they have a titer, if they have antibodies present to anti-D. Mm-hmm. Again, if it's there, it's probably um, too late. Now, I, I'm going to say that with a caveat. If you get your shot at 28 weeks, or maybe you get a little bit late, say 30 weeks for some reason, you can have a little bit left over in your system at delivery, but at a very low titer, like one to one, one to two, never more than one to two. So you're so, saying that the actual rhesus immune globulin injection can cause a positive antibody screen? It can. It okay. can, but at very low titer. So if you have a right. titer, say, of 16 or 32, that's the real thing. Okay. All right? But if it's one-to-one one or one-to-two and you got your shot at 28 weeks, probably better to go ahead and get that postpartum shot because it's not going to hurt anything. Okay. Right? Uh, if it's confusing, it's better to give it. So I remember reading one time, if in doubt, give it. Because it's not going to hurt yeah. you, but if you don't get it and you get sensitized, uh, you carry that uh, that disease the rest of your life, which we'll be talking about quite a bit in future podcasts. Yes. Okay. And so my final qu- question to kind of wrap everything up, um, are there other circumstances where you could use rhesus immune globulin other outside of pregnancy? There's some interesting circumstances where I've been consulted to consider um, how much to give. Let's say, although most blood banks are very, um, you know, meticulous about who they give blood to with armbands, double checks, things like that. What if you get the wrong unit of blood? You get an RH positive unit of blood and you're RH negative. If you're a normal patient, you have about an 80% chance of developing antibodies if you get the wrong unit of blood, a whole unit of blood. And those errors do occur. And it's actually an effective way to calculate how much rhesus immune globulin you need to give. It's a lot to counteract that, to keep people from getting sensitized. And there's two um, key components to this answer. One is you have to give it over a couple of days. And number two, it's easier to use that intravenous preparation we talked about versus all those crazy shots you would have to get. So you can give it about every six or eight hours. You can calculate the total dose and split it up. And you don't want to give it too fast because you can cause all those bad red blood cells to break down can even cause kidney failure, I guess, in some circumstances. Yes, yeah, makes sense. So you, you calculate the dose you need to give in, in consort with the blood bank. You give it over about two days. Uh, and then you can check and make sure that the anti-D titer is still positive. That means you've got some extra there. And that can tell you gave enough. 
Uh, so that's one opportunity to give rhesus immune globulin outside of pregnancy. Um, I've been also consulted in a situation where, and this is during pregnancy, a mom loses a baby from a large bleed between the baby and the mother. And the baby basically, for unknown reasons, exsanguinates into the mother's bloodstream and dies. And wow. they do a Klaharbeki stain and it's 300 cc's of blood. All of the baby's blood volume is in mom's bloodstream. Again, got to give a lot of doses over a couple of days to counteract that bleed so mom doesn't get sensitized. And then finally, what's been most interesting to me recently, because I've been a consultant to one group on this, is more and more trauma centers, helicopter services, ambulance services are carrying what's called low titer, O positive, whole blood on their units. Okay, wait. O positive, I have always been taught O negative is universal donor. That's correct. But guess what? Only 8% of people who donate are O negative, mm. which means there's not a whole lot of it to go around. So when you're carrying all this blood on ambulances and it's going bad sometimes, you don't want to use up your O negative. So it seems that most of these trauma units are carrying O positive blood on the ambulance or the helicopter. And using that in the field, because there's some data to suggest that if you're in a car wreck or shot or whatever, if you can get whole blood, that's the same thing you're bleeding, right? Is whole blood. Sure. Right on the scene, your survival rate's much higher. Hmm. Interesting. Which means, right, that you're going to have some RH negative women mm-hmm. who are in a car accident mm-hmm. who are RH negative and they don't have time to do her typing. Right. So she's going to get O positive blood. Now, what is fascinating is if you're in trauma and you're stressed, your chance of developing antibodies goes from 80% to 20%. So only one out of five of those women will get sensitized. But again, they need to be followed and potentially treated uh, once they stabilize in consultation with a blood bank. We could perhaps, depending on how much blood they got, Mm -hmm. prevent them from getting sensitized and having problems in future pregnancies. With anti-D specifically, correct? Right. I mean, we're not even, we're not going to go into all the other. But you didn't, you forgot to ask me the best question of all. Oh, sorry. You were stealing all my questions. That's the grandmother theory. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. Please, Dr. Moe, speaking of the grandmother theory, I've seen things on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I think people this is love the, the grandmother theory. This is the craziest idea of how people can get sensitized. So the grandmother theory says that your mother, okay, your mother, mother. sensitized the pregnant woman when she was a child. The mom was O positive. The baby was O negative. That can happen because of dad's blood type. Sure. And some of mom's blood entered the baby's bloodstream at delivery. So like a reverse sensitizing event. Exactly. Okay. So now the baby says, oh, I got some O positive blood in my system. That's different from me. I'm going to make anti-D. So that's the grandmother who sensitizes the mother. The future mom. Who then has a problem when she goes to have a baby later in life. Now- It's only been proven in one or two cases. In general, we believe that children, babies in particular, are not very immune competent. They don't form antibodies very well. So this is probably one of the really rare ways to get sensitized is from your mother or your grandmother, if you would. Yeah. Uh, And so the grandmother theory is out there. It's been documented in a couple of cases in women who have never been pregnant before. But usually the sensitizing event, especially for rhesus, rhesus disease, is some type of pregnancy that occurred in the past, uh, almost invariably. Occasionally, wrong blood type in a transfusion, but very rare, mostly a pregnancy event. And that's why knowing your blood type, if you're a take-home message, 
If you're Rh negative, know that. Yes. Get your shots of rhesus immune glomerulus at the right times. Talk to your doctor about it. When in doubt, take the shot. Right. It's going to prevent the disease in the great majority of cases. And as you'll hear about later in some of our subsequent podcasts, you really don't want to get rhesus disease. Can attest from the patients I've counseled with, Dad. That is true. Well, I think that about wraps us up for this evening. Dr. Moise, do you have anything else to add? No, I think that pretty cover, pretty much covers the topic. So I'm going to sign off. This is Ken Moise. And this is Aaron Moise. And we thank you for joining us tonight and more to follow. Mm-hmm.